0: Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.
1: Welcome to the Coming In For A Landing podcast on the Liberty Ballers Podcast Network. Here's your host, Paul Hudrick. Hello, friends, and welcome to this edition of the Coming In For A Landing podcast. I am your host, Paul Hudrick. And I am joined by um, a, a guy who is playing a huge role here at Liberty Ballers, and that is Jazz Gang, who is doing his thing on the podcast side. And Jazz, it's it's been good to meet you in person. Uh, that's been pretty cool. Uh, you've been in Philadelphia for for training camp. Uh, unlike Ben Simmons, you've been <laughs> uh, at training camp. So uh, yeah, it's been it's been cool to to uh, to get to see you uh, see you in person, get to see your face, and um, see you around the building. So that's been fun. Um, obviously we're going to talk a little bit about Ben Simmons. We don't want to keep killing that whole thing, but a new report came out. We want to address that, but then we're also obviously going to talk a lot about, you know, what, what's what been going on at training camp, what the vibe has been like, uh, you know, we we talked to Doc Rivers the last couple of days. I've uh, gotten to speak to a few of the players. And, and so, you know, want to touch on, I ba- I guess, basically we want to touch on the domino effects of what, you know, w- what Ben Simmons absence means and then kind of what's going on down the line. But to start off, I guess we have to we have to mention it's because it's you know pretty much obligatory at this point that there's going to be some type of Ben Simmons report that comes out in some way, shape, or form. Uh, R- Ramona Shelburne of, of ESPN reporting that Ben Simmons is prepared to hold out the entire season if that is necessary. Um, so you have a 25 year old three time All Star who has four more years left on his contract who is willing to sit out an entire year, give up an entire year of his prime. Um, because he wants to be traded. So I guess, Jazz, just kind of your reaction when you see that report and, and kind of like what you make uh, of that. I mean, does it really make a difference to you at this point?
2: No, because, uh, you know, I'm looking at this and and just looking at the last three days being here and, and being around the team finally. And, and it's been, I mean, as Tyrese Maxey said, it was nice to see you, Mr. Paul, in, in person. <laughs> so I think when, when, when you're able to do this, it gives you a good insight into how the team, even how Doc and and Daryl were answering the questions, because you get to kind of feel the energy, get their vibes on it. So, you know, the way I'm looking at it, I think this is posturing by by Ben's camp, sitting out a whole season. That is just a, a ridiculous thing that to even look at, because you know we've we've mentioned this a lot that the Sixers at this point are going to take their time, and that is the right thing to do. You know what I mean? And and I, I'm looking at this like. Uh, there's no rush. Even if he's starting never to play, he can threaten to retire from the NBA. If he wants to, that's fine too, you know, but uh, it's not surprised to see this, but you can kind of gauge that being around doc being around the players, especially during the media availabilities availabilities, because we don't get a ton of time to be in there. You know, at the end of practice, you might get to catch a glimpse of of maybe 10 minutes of five to 10 minutes of, of team workouts. And then for the most part, it's just the players doing shooting drills um, working on, on on some of their other stuff they'll take the young guys to the, the far court. so but what I'm gathering from actually talking to the players, interviewing the players, I think they're ready to move on from this. Uh, we heard Danny Green say at at training camp about about Ben Simmons, you know hey if he's not here, we're gonna have to make adjustments and they're gonna have a bit of a smaller lineup. We, obviously without Ben's size there if you go with Maxi Curry and, and, and Danny Green. So the way I, I'm looking at this, I mean it's it just it's gonna be the same old nonsense. Uh, we talked about this a bit. Uh, yesterday, well, you know, when we went out for lunch together, just looking at this from 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 that angle, you know, if if you look at where this whole thing has went and how it's going to go, like the Sixers, and just basing off off what Daryl was like on on Monday at media day, they're they're not in a rush to do this, and and they don't have a reason to rush this, and and if anybody's losing out on this, I mean, obviously you're playing without one of your best players, and and you don't have an asset really available that's that's worth its maximum level at this point, but. You're looking at this, like you know, people are just ready to move on. But saying that, I mean, the, the Sixers to me are, are doing this right. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see how things are maybe a month or two into the season, if this stalemate continues, to start seeing more reports coming out, uh, more teams making offers, and and which teams are going to kind of slide up and down the standings that might want to make a, a move for Ben.
1: Real quick before we get into anything else, I I, I think it's very important that we get your review. Of Ishka Bibbles on South Street, and how you enjoyed your cheesesteak from there.
2: I love the cheesesteak. I, I I did love the cheesesteak. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was stomach was filling it a bit afterwards, but I'm like, you know what? This <laughs> is a, uh, this, uh, this is a, this is a damn good meal. And Tyrese Maxey, I interviewed him. Uh, that pod will be coming up soon. He he mentioned that was his favorite spot
1: to go to for food too. So there you there go. You so go. He took
2: me to the to, to the best spot around.
1: What are the chances that I, that I take you to Ishka? I mean, listen, Ishka Bibbles is a great spot. What are the chances I take you there? And then Tyrus Maxi tells you it's his favorite spot. That's great. Um, more of the chicken cheesesteak, I would say. If you're if you're listening out there, you have an interest in that. Ishka Bibbles is a spot I think for the chicken cheesesteak. Um, so yeah, but but yeah, just to wrap up the Ben stuff, like from what from the people I've talked to from within the organization, it's it's really been the same message all along, and that's we're not trading them just to trade them. Um, we're not going to do anything that we think is not going to put us in a position to be a contender. So, right, you see a lot of people talk about that idea that step trade. We have talked about that, uh, you know, ad nauseum uh, over and over again. That I it really doesn't look like that's something that they have re- the remotest appetite for. Um, if they're trading him, they want a player, they want an impact guy right now. So you know, until that happens till one of those guys becomes available, Ben Simmons is a sitting and they're going to, they're not going to trade him, And that's just the reality until a big name be, shakes loose, which isn't going to happen right now. Cause everyone thinks their teams team is really good. Cause it's training camp and people have inflated ideas of how good their rosters are, but maybe by, I mean, it, to me, it looks like it, like, you know, and I guess we've kind of seen it before jazz where it's, you know, whether it was the James Harden situation or the uh, Jimmy Butler situation where they, they go into the season and guys start the season on that team and it's ugly and it's not great. Um, But then another team gets a little antsy and then that's when a deal happens. Um, It's a unique situation in that, you know, the teams that were trading away, you know, whether it was Houston, whether it was Minnesota, although I guess, you know, you wouldn't even say really Minnesota was rebuilding, right? I mean, they they were a playoff team with Jimmy Butler and they, they, they wanted to keep being a playoff team. Um, when they traded him to the Sixers, but certainly different from the Harden situation where the Rockets were happy to just basically own the Brooklyn Nets draft for the next, I don't know, 10 years. So um, cert- that that's what complicates matters too, is that, you know, this guy is asking to not be on a team that was the number one seed in the Eastern Conference last year. That really complicates things. So uh, yeah, I, I don't see a resolution coming anytime soon. And I, I think this is a stalemate that's going to last. But a- as you kind of already touched on, it does seem like now the questions aren't really about Ben Simmons. They're about what's what happens now that Ben Simmons isn't here. What what's the kind of the domino effect of his absence and what does that mean? Uh, the big thing we've seen already first two days of camp. Doc Rivers is already basically uh, you know things can, things change. It's day two of training camp, but it seems pretty clear Tyrese Maxey is his starting point guard going into the season. Um, Doc Rivers did say uh, you know on Wednesday that it's possible that that could change depending on matchups. Cause obviously you're losing a guy in Ben Simmons, who's a you know a defensive player of the year candidate um, and you're replacing him with Tyrese Maxey, who I think has, you know, potential to be a very good defensive player, but isn't quite there yet. So you might have to sneak Matisse Thybul in there in the starting lineup against certain teams. And does that mean you're bringing Seth Curry off the bench or are you bringing Danny Green off the bench? So there's a lot of questions, a lot of things, but I think, Jazz, what's been kind of interesting, and, and Doc has touched on it. I think really all three days we've talked to him, talked to him, and he said his biggest concern with Ben not being there is not that Tyrese Ma- not Tyrese Maxey being in the starting lineup. He feels good about that, but then how that affects the second unit. Um, and today he talked about Shake Milton, how good he thought Shake Milton looked running the offense. Um, talking about you know a guy like George Niang who's a significant upgrade at the four spot um, over Mike Scott, Andre Drummond, who I I would argue is is a, you know, not a significant upgrade, but, but it definitely an upgrade from Dwight Howard. So I guess what's kind of your biggest takeaway, you know, from, from what we heard from doc, from what we heard from some of the players, what has kind of stood out to you as this is the thing that with Ben Simmons, not here, like, this is like maybe your biggest concern or the biggest thing you're kind of looking at.
2: Well, Danny Green said that during his, media availability after, after practice uh, early on, on, on Wednesday. And, and he was just basically saying, you know, we have to make adjustments without the size. And, you know, he was asked about the the defensive end of things. And he also touched on, on offense. And I, I think offensively the Sixers are going to have to, you know, we've seen the game change Paul over the last, what, you know, 10, 15 years in terms of going from a, a slow it down, you know, work the shot clock down. And you remember that Oh five, you know, championship series, final series between, the Pistons and Spurs, the games are, you know, 77-74. And, and I, I not to say necessarily you want to go back to that, but, you know, from what I'm gathering, the Sixers are going to look at slowing things down. And we, and we heard Doc refer to that and talk about it, you know, when he was talking to the media uh Wednesday just about how, hey, you know, we have Andre Drummond, we're going to have to add some size because, you know, not ideal to go in with, with Danny Green as your three yeah. Seth Curry is your two and and, and Ty Maxi is one, not in terms of what they bring to the table in their overall game, but just in terms of size. So I think they're going, you're going to be looking at bigger front courts. I think Joel is going to have to, you know, really, really dictate the pace of the game on both ends of the floor. And he's shown he could do that. So I, I do think the Sixers are going to, they're going to have to adjust and they're going to have to figure things out. And and you know what, we've we've talked about this quite a bit on the podcast, but in terms of, you know, it is. We're gonna to have to see what happens 15 games in, 20 games in. If the Sixers are sitting at nine and eleven, they might make a panic move, right? Because again, you're you you do not want to waste having an MVP candidate on your roster who, who's in the prime of his career. So, you know, I, I really think this is gonna take 50, and we're gonna to have to see how they adjust. Obviously, we got uh the preseason kicking off next week. We'll kind of get a glimpse of maybe if they're changing things around on the offensive end and how Doc and the staff have 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 adapted to not having been there. But I really think this is going to be a wait and see reproach. Uh, I want to ask you this too though, man, because we were sitting in the, in the media room and that, you know, for people who don't obviously know, they still have a picture of Ben Simmons up on the cover of Slime <laughs> magazine in the media room. We we're talking about this. How come he's the only dude who doesn't want to play with a superstar? Everybody else in the NBA wants to join a team where they could win. We saw the nets do that. We've seen the warriors do that. We've seen guys do that with LeBron and then the Lakers. What is Ben Simmons deal that he doesn't want to play with, with an MVP candidate? I, I don't understand that stuff.
1: Yeah. I, I don't get it either. Uh, And listen, everyone's built different and I I, I sort of wonder if, and I'm not saying this is right at at all. I'm not saying I agree with it, but I sort of wonder if he just kind of feels like in Philadelphia, because like you look at his career, he was a rookie, right? um and they made the playoffs they made the they got to the second round of the playoffs with him as a rookie point guard he'd never played point guard in his life um and so i think when that happened the expectations for this team in general perhaps um i don't know what's the word? i guess escalated uh, uh, like more than maybe they should have you know and then the, the very next season Elton brand makes a, a super aggressive move as a GM and goes and gets Jimmy Butler then makes an equally aggressive move at the deadline. and gets Tobias Harris. And I, I just think in, in a way, I don't want to, cause every guy's different. Every guy develops different. Every guy, like, like a guy like Jason Tatum was, you know, whatever, 20, 21 years old playing in the Eastern conference finals and playing lights out. Um, But then there's other guys who don't, who aren't like that. Other guys who it takes time, you know, they, they don't, Maybe, you know, they really struggle. I mean, when you look at the history of players and like just, you know, from the instance of just like winning a championship, all the greats, it's like 27, 28 is like the range of when a guy, like a star guy, a main guy kind of um, gets over that hump. So I think the weirdness in which he has developed here is a factor. And I think that some of those escalated um, expectations, uh, right or wrong, I think that that, I don't want to say stunted his development, but I think it made his development a little bit just different, um, different than most players. And I think that might've, you know, that, that certainly changed things for him. I don't buy the whole uh, uh, Joel and B clogs the paint and he can't and, and Ben Like, I, I don't buy any of that. I, I think that's, I think that's silly. I, I think the main thing, what I really think jazz is that what he really wants on top of, yes, he wants to be the star. He wants to be the guy. I think he just wants a fresh start. I, I really do. I think he wants to reset the expectations um, and go to a spot where, you know, where he's wanted by everyone. And when I say wanted, I'm not just saying, oh, the fans want him gone or whatever. Just wanted, just wanted and wanted to be the guy. And and I think that's where we're at. And again, I'm not saying that's right. I'm not saying I agree with it because you're right. Most guys in the NBA would kill to have Joel Embiid as their starting center. Most players would, would die for that opportunity, but it's just, it's a different situation and, and and Ben's in a different spot. He's 25. He's, you know, in in his mind. And I think in in his representations minds and a lot of people's minds, um, they still think he could be that MVP caliber type player. And and I guess they don't think he can be that um, alongside Joel Embiid, which again, don't necessarily agree with that, but yeah. So, uh, but listen, guys, we're going to take a a real quick break. Uh, We're going to talk more on the other side. Uh, I again, want to talk a little bit more about the bench and and the second unit and um, some things there. So we're going to pause for a few seconds and we'll be right back. All right, so we are back, and the thing I want to touch on now, you know, it, it's it's an interesting thing that Daryl Morey actually brought up at Media Day, and it's that for a team that views itself as a contender, I mean, you you personally don't have to view them as that, but they view themselves as that, and some people will say that's where they are. Um, they were a 1C last year, so that's, you know, give give them credit where it's due. Um, but for, for a team in that situation, they have – a pretty good amount of young talent um and, and you know and, and desirable draft picks and all that so i mean they have the assets if they ever want to make it move but then also just these young guys you're counting on them to develop and i don't think it's crazy to count on them because um you know we've talked about maxi a ton um i, I think the sky's the limit for him i mean Danny green said he thinks he could be a star i I I'm at a point where I have been wanting to temper my expectations with him, but now I'm kind of just saying, screw it. Let's go all in. Like, I think this kid does have a chance to be pretty damn special. Um, Matisse Seibel. We've already seen glimpses of of what he can be. Um, Doc Rivers talked a lot about him today. Had some really good stuff on him and his summer. Um, Even a guy like shake Milton's kind of getting lost in the shuffle, but this with Ben Simmons out, this could be a really big opportunity for shake um, to, to lead that second unit and kind of be, um, a bigger part of this team in, in Ben's absence. So I guess for you, jazz, when you look at maybe some of the younger guys on the team, um, especially guys, you know, I guess we can, you know, if you want to throw Tyrese in there, but more like the second unit guys, is there a player to you that really sticks out as a guy? You think like, I, I think this guy, could potentially have a, a big role, or, or you know, could potentially really step up in, in the absence of Ben Simmons.
2: Well, I, I'm interested to see a how because you know we got a glimpse a little bit of of the starters versus the the second unit. You had Andre Drummond on the second unit, yeah, George Nang, Shake Milton. Um, you know, you're seeing kind of where Doc is is going going with this. I think uh, Thibault's in for a, a better season. Uh, not maybe in terms of offensively, you know, but defensively, just what he brings and, and the energy. And I'm also interested to see what Paul Reed does. Um, you know, he looked good in in the summer and and he's shown glimpses. But you know, the Sixers are in this in this weird spot of. It's almost like the Warriors' light in the sense of you have. I mean, obviously the Warriors have Steph Curry, uh, you know, Clay Thompson returning, Draymond Green. These are all All Star and you know, caliber players, Draymond, maybe not so much now, but still a a very good defensive player. And, you know, they bought back Iguodala, but you look at the gap and then they got Wiseman, uh, Kaminga, Moses Moody, maybe, you know, guys who aren't, or maybe a little bit more highly regarded in terms of their potential, in terms of what the Sixers have overall, Sands, maybe Maxi, but you're looking at that. And I think this is where like, we're really hoping to see if one of those guys, like, you know, like you mentioned, Doc has said that you know, Shake Milton. Is, he's impressed with what he's seen from him so far. Looks like he put in a lot of work over the summer. So seeing that, you know, you're just hoping one of these guys comes in and is able to score. You know, eight, nine, ten points a game off the bench that give the Sixers some some scoring punch. But those are the guys. I'm probably, I'm, I'm interested to, interested to see what Paul Reed does, and I'm also interested to see how how a guy like Shake Milton, if he really has improved as much as doc is, is suggesting at this point, I don't think he's saying that shake Milton's going to be up for the, you know, most improved player or anything like that. But just seeing one of these guys, I think to me, I'm looking at it as a whole. I think maxi's expectations are much higher than anybody else, considering that he'll be, you know, most likely in the starting lineup come opening day, but the rest of those guys, I'm looking as a whole, if you can get some extra production from Milton, Uh, you know, getting more out of Paul Reed compared to, you know, we put up paltry numbers last year, but looking at him, you know, going, making a leap going into year two, I, I think that's where I'm looking at this, not really as an individual thing, but as a collective, what about you?
1: Yeah. I mean, certainly Matisse, I think, uh, you know, I've been really intrigued, uh, you know, when he played in Australia for Australia in the Olympics, I thought he looked great. I thought he showed off a little bit more um, versatility in his offensive game. He hit big shots. And I thought it was interesting when Doc, when I asked Doc about him today, and Doc basically said, like, yeah, like, I, like we need him to improve offensively. And um, I think there's other opportunities for him too. I thought, you know, he mentioned this, you know, Matisse Thiebel's pure speed and how, you know, if it, it the team, if the Sixers get a rebound defensively, Matisse Thiebel is faster than anyone on the court. So he should be all the way at the other end, cheating, leaking out, and getting some easy buckets that way. And he thinks that's something that maybe, that Matisse hasn't really taken advantage of in his first few years in the league. And it's something that maybe he could do. It kind of reminds me of like, you know, what, what kind of got Pascal Siakam on the scene. That was basically what Pascal Siakam did for his first couple of years. He just beat everybody else down the court mm-hmm. um, and got a ton of transition baskets that way. And Doc's right. I I don't see a reason why Matisse Seibel can't do that. Um, he, he's more than capable. Um the shots very important for him. Obviously, that's a huge swing skill for him. If he can just be league average, um, that's good enough. Like it really is. Considering when you know you already touched on the the significant defensive impact he makes, um, and in a weird way, you know, without Ben Simmons, it's going to help Matisse in the sense that um, last year, you know, lineups with Ben Simmons, Matisse, Thibault, Dwight Howard were not were bad. They were bad offensively. There's no spacing. It wasn't good enough. Um, now if without Ben Simmons, the spacing is going to be better. I mean, quite, it is, I mean, there's just no other way around it. So, you know, as a team, it certainly, it hurts the Sixers not to have Ben Simmons, but it, in a weird way, I think it might actually help Matisse get more minutes and stay on the floor longer. And then uh, again, obviously the defensive impact, um, you know, making up for the loss of Simmons that way is going to be huge too. So, um, I thought it was funny too. When doc was talking about the fact that he worked out with Tobias Harris a little bit. And uh, after one day Tobias. um, Matisse called Tobias and said, Hey, let's start a little bit later. Cause I'm going to go surfing. And Tobias Harris said, there will be no surfing this week. No, um, <laughs> that was pretty great. So <laughs> I, I just think it's, it's, it's pretty cool that, that, um and, and we've known about like Tobias has really taken Matisse under his wing since he got here. So um that relationship is very cool. And it's cool to see Matisse kind of carrying himself a little bit differently, differently um and carrying himself with a little bit more uh, of, of a purpose, a little bit more maturely. So that's been very cool. But yeah, I mean, Shake's a guy, I, I've liked Shake forever. I, I really have. I liked him at SMU. Um, uh, you know, he was good in the G League. He, he, he had a big year here. You know, he scores 39 points against Doc Rivers and the Clippers. Um, there's something there with him. I, I really do. I think he can play. I, I think he is an NBA. He is a legitimate rotational NBA player. I don't know how good he can be, but he's at least that. The, the biggest issue I thought last year was his shot. His shot really failed him. And, you know, every every stop he's had at every level, he shot the ball extremely well. So it was, uh, to me, it was more of an aberration. I thought last year, I don't, I don't see that being the case. And I thought, you know, we see, like you said, we don't get to see the entirety of practice, obviously, but you see him shooting after practice and it's an empty gym. uh, I'll preface it all, but he looks damn good. The shot looks good. Um, Last year, I thought it looked a little flat. I thought he was kind of finishing. He looked a little bit awkward with his legs. I don't know if that was because, you know, last year he added a little bit more muscle and that threw him off or whatever. But um, he's looked good. Uh, the shot—it's been him, Seth Curry, and Tyrese Maxey, kind of like it, as a group of three, taking threes at the end of practices. <laughs> Let me tell you, all three of them look pretty damn good uh, shooting the basketball. Again, empty gym—I get all that—but um, I'm very encouraged. And also, just it just looks like—I um, know Jazz, you 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 know—you weren't around last year, but Shake was, was very guarded last year. I thought, I thought he kind of maybe was in his own head a little bit about, you know, things going on and like just a a weird season, a weird year in in general. And I thought, I thought already he's been a lot more, he's been a lot more himself. He's he's shown a lot more personality in his media uh, availability so far. Um, He's been a lot more elaborative on his answers. I think he's, he seems like he's in a really good place mentally. And I don't think, any of us can just discount that. Um, I think a lot of us went, you know, during the pandemic and and everything, and it's been really weird for a lot of people. And I think this somewhat return to normalcy, um, I think is going to be huge for him. And then, you know, and then like, uh, you know, two guys, you mentioned to kind of round out this, this conversation on the second unit, George Niang and and Andre Drummond, I got to tell you, um, and maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid a little bit. Maybe I'm just kind of buying into the hype. But I'm really intrigued by both of them in the second unit, and and kind of what Doc Rivers has talked about is their roles and what they can bring. I mean, what what? How do you kind of see them both fitting into the second unit? And, and do you uh, do you agree with me in the sense that I think both player or both players are going to be pretty big upgrades for them off the bench?
2: I like. Well, I I think I'm I'm more intrigued by what George Niang is going to bring, just in terms of his shooting, being able to stretch the floor. I think he might get some extra run. Uh, maybe even with with joel out there and, and we'll see how, how that goes. And you know, he seems like he talked about that at me today. You know, I'm a northeast kid. I, I know what it means to be here. And and you know not really messing too much with what got you to where you are now. So I'm I'm intrigued with him. Andre Drummond I think is going to be a fascinating thing because you know this guy played in he played in, in 21 games for the Lakers last year, had the worst defensive rating on the team. Um, you know he has this skill that when I talked about this a bit In the first half of the pod that he has a skill that really seemed like it was suited to the NBA eight, nine years ago in terms of what he brings in his style. I'm not saying he's a great rebounder, a very good scorer from the low post, but I'm a little bit worried to see what, how Drummond fits and what he can do. But to me, I think Niang would be the guy that I'm looking at and saying, okay, you know, it's intriguing. What can he bring? Uh, is his shooting going to, going to improve a little bit? Is his offensive numbers, he, you know, he's pretty good defensively too. So I'm more intrigued with him. I, and I, as I said, you know, I'm a little bit more skeptical of Drummond's fit, uh, but doc, you know, again, seemed like he, he liked having him here. And I agree with you. He's an upgrade over, over Dwight, but that is the one area where I'm, I'm looking at. And, and hopefully we could see, because given Joel's injury history, you know, probably will likely miss some games, hopefully not a ton, but, uh, and you know, he might get some maintenance days and, and a, and, a you know, a kind of a rest day to, to miss a game or two. And I think those where you might see Andre Drummond put up 24 points and 20 rebounds. But, um, when he's not the focal point of the offense, I, I am intrigued to see how he's going to fit. How about you?
1: Yeah. I, I, I think you kind of nailed it where the idea of him not being the focal point. I mean, I think that's the biggest thing with Andre Drummond and, it's he's again this is all talk it's in talk is cheap. we'll see what happens when the games are actually being played but i'll say that he seemed very like he seemed like he was bought in to the idea of taking a lesser role not being a big you know the one of the main guys in the offense of taking on that complimentary role um he's a he's a great screener good roller i think at this point in his career, I think he's better than Dwight as far as a roller and a lob threat and a finisher. Um, Dwight's hands are kind of suspect nowadays, to be perfectly honest. They just really were last year. He Mm -hmm. missed a lot of dunks and missed a lot of um, pretty easy finishes. I'm very intrigued. Uh, Shake was talking about him and Andre Drummond working out before practice and kind of getting some reps in. I'm intrigued to see them two in the pick and roll and see what that looks like. Cause I thought there was a little bit there with shake and Dwight at times. I think, I think, I think Andre could be even be a better partner for him. And I've said this a couple of times, but Andre Drummond uh, per 36 minutes, Andre Drummond averages like two less fouls per 36 minutes than Dwight Howard. That's huge. I mean, you're how many times with the Sixers, did you see Dwight Howard set an illegal screen? That's just, you just waste the possession. Basically, you just give the ball right back. Um, So, you know, a guy that can be a little bit more disciplined, I think will be huge to have him. Um and yeah, George, George Yang is 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 kind of sneakily one of the better shooters in the NBA over the last couple of seasons. Um he's taken a ton of threes and he's made a ton of threes. Um he's been lethal in catching suit situations, which he's gonna get a ton of, um, especially when he's playing with you know Joel Embiid, he's gonna get a ton of those opportunities. So yeah, I'm really intrigued to see what both of those guys do. And as much as the absence of Ben Simmons hurts, they they really do, I think, their depth actually in a weird way is better uh but i think we're going to wrap it up on that note um but i want to say thank you guys so much for checking out the coming in for a landing podcast on the uh liberty ballers podcast network please download rate subscribe wherever you get your podcast you will find us Uh, i want to thank jazz kang for hopping on and and doing uh doing this thing and also thank you jazz in general for all the great stuff you do uh for liberty ballers and for our podcast um But yeah, again, thank you guys so much for checking us out. And we will talk to you next time.
0: More to do's, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle.